It's Friday the 2nd of November 2018. My name's Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 14 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Before we kick off the standard disclaimer that nothing that I say today is financial advice and if you're looking for financial advice I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. We've got a big episode ahead of us today so I'm going to do another segment, the beware of segment, and this time it's going to be beware of apps on your mobile phone that show you stock prices. Then we're going to talk about a tiny company in New Zealand called Plexure, PLX on the NZX, and we're going to talk about Vista Group, another company that that's a little bit bigger but you may not have heard of. And finally, we're going to have a, a chat about Z Energy, Z-E-L on the NZX. But another thing, just firstly, before we kick off, um, one way to, to reach the podcast is is by searching Stock Market Movers on Facebook and liking the page. But another way is that I've actually start up, uh, started up a website and you can find that at www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz. That's www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz. And the episodes are going to be published on there every week. It's not quite finished yet in the sense that by next week you'll be able to subscribe to weekly email notifications that the podcast has been released and you'll also be able to listen online. But the reason I'm talking about it now is that what I've done is I've listed on the website my top 10 favorite investing books. I get asked all the time about what books I should read and everything like that. So I've put my top 10 on there and, you know, personally that they're, they're all books that's really helped frame the way that I think about investing. And personally, I think if you read those 10 books and you read them twice, <laughs> yeah, that is probably all you need in terms of stock market knowledge. And there's different perspectives in there from Warren Buffett to Peter Lynch to, you know, Sam Walton, there's there's a range of things there. So jump online. You, there's a there's a the cover of the book is there. There's also a a quick description, my description of of or maybe a review, whatever you want to say of what the what the book is and what it's about. And if you click on the book, it'll take you through to fishpond.co.nz, where if you want to buy yourself or someone else a Christmas present, you can also buy it. Right, well, enough of that, so let's get into the podcast. And what I'll do actually at the end of the podcast is I'll quickly have a chat about one of those books and I'll give you a, a quick review of it as well. I'm going to do the Beware of segment again this week. There's one we started a couple of weeks ago and, and it's I'll, I'll do it from time to time when I think there's something that people should be aware of in the markets. And this is something that is easily avoided but we probably all do to a certain extent and I would say beware of mobile phone apps that show you stock prices and what I'd say that is if you've got any mobile phone app on your phone that you can frequently check stock prices on I would recommend that most people delete it because what ends up happening especially in the volatile markets that we have at the moment is that you end up checking your stock prices about 100 times a day um, and 100 times a day might sound like an exaggeration, but for some people it's certainly not. And we will fall into this trap from time to time of constantly updating stock prices. It might not be on your on your mobile phone, it could actually be on your computer or, or other device or wherever you check it. And you end up checking 
prices so much and it ends up influencing your decision making one way or another whether it's up or down if it goes up you might feel good if it goes down you might feel bad but it's it's always important to remember that the the price of the stock is often divorced from the the, the value of the stock and there's a famous saying by Phil Fisher it goes along the lines of everyone in the stock market knows the price of everything but the value of nothing and I think that applies there when you're checking the stock prices on your phone 20 times a day um, what you end up doing is I mean if you think about it right if I don't know the warehouse stock price goes down 5% in a day that means that that people are, are selling the stock it does not necessarily mean that the warehouse business has changed in any way and that's why you see stock prices squiggle lines on charts it's because they go up or down every day based on what on, on people buying or selling it doesn't have anything to do with the actual underlying or intrinsic value of the business so that's my piece of advice this week is beware of of mobile phone apps that you can constantly check prices on beware of just constantly checking prices in general and i'd say if if nothing else it's worth deleting the apps on your phone that that constantly update your stock prices right so i'm going to talk about another company that i haven't spoken about before uh the company's called Plexure. Now that trades on the NZX under the ticker code PLX and chances are there's, there's a good chance you know you may have seen the name when you're browsing the companies but there's probably a good chance that you haven't heard of it either. So these guys moved big during the week on a, what was a, a, a pretty good update. So Plexure that's I'll, I'll get into what they do later on but they're, they're an, I guess you could say a nano cap, so very, very small, even for the NZX. So they currently have a market cap of about 22 million. And during the during the week, they announced that they increased their interim revenue by 51% to 8.08 million. That was up from 5.17 million in the, in the prior reporting period. And they booked a net profit of 1.45 million. And that was after... You know, I didn't know much about the company, so looking back on previous results, that was that was a second good result in a row. And when you back a few things out of that, namely a big amortisation charge, which I always like to back out to get the true owner earnings, I don't do it with the depreciation, but I do do it with amortisation. Um, they had free cash flow after expenditures of $2.1 million. And you're starting to get the idea that, at least on a quantitative basis, this stock is cheap because you've got a market cap of $22 million and a free cash flow of $2.1 million, and that's only a half year. So, if, if I mean, even if you extrapolate that out for the full year, if they're able to keep that up, then, you know, $22 million divided by $4 million, that's 5.5 times free cash flow, which is, you know, in this market quite cheap and all this cash generation means that they do have a lot of cash on on their books so they've got 6.14 million cash no debt um so what they've said is that they're going to use this cash for growth so it's not it's not cash that's going to come back to you in form of a dividend although you know holders would think that would be quite nice because 6.14 million out of a 2.22 million dollar market cap would be a big dividend but you know, being a, a software company, they are looking to try to grow. And I suppose it is encouraging to see a software company growing from cash flow as opposed to going back to their shareholders for more money or raising debt. Um, it is important to know that there is some options, quite a few options actually, and some convertible notes outstanding. So, you know, that is going to dilute shareholders in the future. But certainly from a quantitative perspective, it is a company that that is quite cheap, all things considering. Now, 
why are they cheap? Um, now, if you look back in the history of the company, it hasn't always been a good performer. Um, so they've traded under different names and, and I think they've had some business with ex-CEOs and everything like that. So it hasn't always been a good performer. And in terms of describing what they do, it, it is tough. So they, they offer a, a CRM and customer service platform for companies in the restaurant and fast food space. And it's not one, it, it's a service that they're obviously offering direct to the to the companies that they can roll out to their customers because when you try to download the app from the app store it's not there so they i know one of their customers is mcdonald's for example and 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 i think in japan i think i read i can't remember exactly and they obviously give their 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 software to to mcdonald's in japan and mcdonald's in japan white label and and give it to the customers and they can collect rewards points and everything like that so the concern for me and I would love someone that knows a bit more about this company to get in touch with me and, and explain a bit more about it. But my concern is that I couldn't really find too much about what they do on 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 their website. They had a couple of short little YouTube videos and you know a, a products page and a solutions page and everything like that. It didn't really describe to me too much about what they do you know when you go on apple's website for example it it takes you about 10 seconds to figure out what they do exactly whereas i didn't really get that from from the plexia website and you know trying to figure out a a concern for me was is that this revenue and this free cash flow is driven by one or two big customers and it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case and as as if anything, the I guess the fast food environment's always changing. If McDonald's in Japan or McDonald's anywhere else decides that they no longer want to use this use this service, which uh, uh, companies like McDonald's make hundreds of those decisions every day, then suddenly this company has is is back to square one. So that would be the concern for me is is figuring out how sustainable their business model is, how reliant they are on one or two customers and how realistic growth is and that that could be the reason why it, it trades at 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 such a low valuation. Um it, it's never good enough in the market just to take a valuation at face value. You've always got to go figure out why this could be the reason why, but in, in other ways as well, if you could figure it out, maybe it will provide an opportunity. I'm not sure at this stage. Like I said, if, if someone could give me a call or send me an email during the week with a bit more information and <clears throat> maybe describe if they, if you know exactly what they do, how they make money and what the opportunity is, if they could, you know, colour that in for me during the week, that'd be fantastic. Um, but at, at the moment, it's, it's one I'd want to find out a bit more. A company that I've never spoken about on the podcast is Vista Group International Limited. They're based in Auckland, but they have offices worldwide. They trade on the NZX and the ASX under the ticker VGL. Um, and it's a $627 million company on the NZX, which, you know, is, is a company you may not have heard too much about, but in terms of market capitalization, they are reasonably large. Um, so they, they first listed in 2014. They pay a, a small dividend of, of less than 1%. And I guess I would describe them as a global movie theater software company. And when you look on their website, yeah, that they they describe their industry as the industry in which 
Vista participates consists of organisations engaged in the production, distribution, and just dis- in exhibition of films. Um, so I sort of describe that as a cinema software management services, and they they do provide a range of other software services to cinemas and other related services as well. And during the week, they announced that they signed on as a client, a new cinema chain in the US called Marcus Theatres Corporation, which has 68 cinemas. Now, I do, as you know, software companies, I, I do like them in principle because you can generally, as an owner, earn quite high returns on the capital that you employ because apart from development, they're not like a heavy asset business or anything like that. Um, and I do like the space that Vista operates in being cinemas. It's not a growing and hot industry, so you. I think that deters away a lot of the very serious and militant competition, although no doubt Vista will argue that they do experience competition as well. So quick glance at the balance sheet. There doesn't appear to be any major red flags just off the bat. When you look at the 2017 annual report, or actually we'll look at a more recent, we'll look at the interim report. So they have cash on hand of $26 million and they have total debt of $11.96 million. Um, receivables of, of $47 million and, and payables of $18 million. So you'd have to say off the, off the back of that there that you know, they're, they're a financially sound company. You wouldn't expect unless something untoward happened that they'll go out of business anytime soon, although obviously that has happened in the past, so, you know, that's that's not set in stone. But on, on, the, on the face of things, they seem to be a financially stable company. Um, they've grown revenues quite strongly since their listing in 2014. So they had $47 million of revenues in 2014 and that grew to $106 million in 2017. And, you know, with announcements like the one they made this week, you'd have to think that some sort of growth is, is going to continue. But again, that's that's not guaranteed. When you look at their cash flow, so they had operating cash flow of about $11 million dollars. So you subtract six point six three million for capital expenditures, and that leaves you with four point four one million. And when you divide that for for that's what I describe as, or what Warren Buffett describes as well, and I just copy um, as owner earnings. So that's the the cash from operating activities minus capital expenditures, and everything else is what the owner gets to spend. So. Four point four one million. If you divide that by the six hundred twenty-seven million dollar market cap, that gives you a, an earnings yield of zero point seven percent. So it's not, you know, it's not. Uh, you can't say it's cheap based on that. Well, certainly not not cheap based on a trailing twelve month basis. And if you were to put a multiple on that, that's one hundred forty-two times free cash flow. So it's certainly not, you know. Trailing twelve months, but I guess it depends what you think is going to happen in the future in terms of in in terms of growth. And I'd, I'd certainly say that the market is pricing in a lot of growth there. Um, whether that plays out, I don't know. It's 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 anyone's guess. I'd, I'd say the company does have a history of delivering growth, but I'd say in order to get a return there over the long term, that it certainly does have to deliver. Uh, an, an an awful lot of of growth and interestingly they paid out five hundred and seventy five million of of dividends last year so you know when you've got four point 
for one million of of free cash flow, and then you're paying out five point seven five million, and in dividends, your your cash is going to go backwards unless you get it from somewhere. And they did issue some debt last year as well, and and they issued stock the year before. So, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we, do do you want a growth company like this paying a dividend? It's nice to see the cash flow positive, and if if they can't find any other use for the money, yeah, they should, but. Do you really want them taking on 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 debt to essentially fund the dividend? I don't know, um, but all all in all, I would say this is an interesting company in terms of what they do. It's not a very difficult company to figure out. They have a few different business segments. You could go on their website and figure it out quite quickly. Uh, the the C CEO Murray Holdaway he owns nearly four percent of the stock outstanding, and and a lot of the directors do as well. So they have some skin in the game. So that's that's a good thing to see. But I would say all in all, there there would be some concerns there for me if you are buying at the moment based on valuation. Obviously, if growth is fantastic, then those concerns will subside. But for me, it really does have to deliver growth at 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 these levels to to be a a good long-term investment, could I, but I could easily be wrong about that and they could certainly, and I would love to see a New Zealand company that's you know expanded throughout the world to really dominate their market and it is a big market and they're only a small player so they do have lots of opportunities to grow, it's just whether they can execute on it or not. Now, however bad your week has been, it's probably not as bad as if you're a shareholder of Zen Energy whose stock was down about 10% on Thursday after their interim report. Now, Zen Energy is a company we all know. It, it trades on the NZX under the ticker code ZEL, and as 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 you know, they 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 run petrol stations. Simple as that. Um, so as as you also know, the 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 price to to fill up at the pump has has also increased significantly. And if you want to know by how much, you just need to have a look at the revenues of Z Energy, which Increased twenty eight percent over the over the half, um, and that that twenty eight percent is is pure price increases because actual consumption. I think I I think I saw in the news was actually down, um. So the fuel increases basically drew an increase of of revenue by twenty eight percent. Um, they increased their dividend to to twelve point five cents per share, up from ten cents per share in the prior reporting period, which is a big jump. Um, so you're probably wondering, as a shareholder, why the stock is down so significantly. And that's because, essentially, due to the increase in oil price, and oil and crude oil prices have increased by about 25% across the reporting period, and the depreciation of the New Zealand dollar against the, the, the US dollar, that's important because companies like Z Energy buy their oil in US dollars. So that, that decreased by 9%. So basically, the high oil in price has resulted in intense competition and, and lower margins and this is the the tough thing about owning a company like ZNG because there is so much outside of their control they can't control the price of oil yes they can hedge against it they can't control the exchange rate yes they can hedge against it but that, that's only a, a partial result and there's only two things I care about when I'm filling up my car it's price and location and as price increases a certain percentage of drivers are prepared to sacrifice the convenience of location and I'm probably not quite there yet in my personal driving habits but you know there would be a price point where 
it, we get, it might get so high that I would shop around for the for the cheapest price, and certainly that price point has arrived for, you know, I, I guess a a certain percentage of the population. So basically, you know, people are, are thinking about where they drive more. I probably am actually thinking about my, my my driving a bit more. Like I'm I'm not doing as many unnecessary trips as what I was in the past, but certainly. You know, pe- people are planning their, their their trips more, and they are shopping around for for better prices. And I would I would imagine that maybe at a place like Gull, which is competing with ZDNG purely on price, is you know maybe they have seen I I don't actually know, but maybe they've seen an uptick in in in, in you know quantities sold. So I, I I don't know the answer to that, but it wouldn't surprise me. And the result of this was that the operating cash flow from Z Energy decreased from 185 million to 111 million in the prior reporting period, and and this was all over the news. And, and in some ways, it would almost be a worse news story for Z at, at the, in the current environment if they reported, you know, profits that it, operating cash flow that increased by the same amount in the other direction. So I don't know what would be a worse news story. And they commented on that that the the cost of of, of gas and essentially filling up is, and I'll, I'll quote from the report, thrust our industry into the political and media spotlight. And that's another downside for these sorts of companies is that, you know, like this sort of stuff's outside of the control and then all of a sudden they get a Commerce Commission study and inquiries and everything like that. And it, it always makes me chuckle when you read language like this in a company report. They said, we welcome a Commerce Commission study. And basically they're saying we welcome an investigation into fuel prices and I don't know, it, it always makes you laugh then because sh- of course they don't welcome that really behind the scenes. I mean, if you ran a business, would you welcome an investigation into your industry? Of course you wouldn't, and it's no different with Z Energy. And it, it's sort of like you, you, you hear these, not so much in New Zealand, but you hear these um, earnings updates in the United States and they'll say something along the lines of, yeah, we we love competition. We we welcome competition in our industry because it increases the pie for everyone. And there's enough to go around, and and of course that's absolute rubbish. I mean, a, a, a better business, as we all know, at the end of the day, is a monopoly. And you know, in in it, <laughs> so yeah, it, it it is a silly one. Um, so. I mean, the positives of owning a company, I've, I've, I've banged on about the negatives, but there is some positives to owning a company like Zen Energy as well, and, and, and that is, you know, no matter how many Commerce Commission inquiries that you have and and no matter what price increases you have at the moment anyway, and of course we know the electric car storm clouds on the horizon, but at the moment anyway, you've, you've got no choice but to feel fill up your car. It's not like in other cities and other places in the world where you've got a viable public transport network that you can use. I mean, the, the fact is that in, in New Zealand, you, you have to be able to fill up your car to get around and, and, and you have to, you know, that that's just a fact of life. So, you know, you can do all the Commerce Commission inquiries that you want, but at the end of the day, companies like Zenit Energy need to make a profit margin. If they don't make a profit margin, there will never be any investment in in, in, in this sort of infrastructure and, 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 and you need that sort of investment for society to function. I've spoken in in previous podcasts about the importance of, of fuel prices for the wider economy and, and you just need to 
you, you just need to have a, a, a quick think about it, right? Petrol prices go up, so the, the cost of food goes up. Well, petrol prices go up, and it, 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 it literally affects every, every single other industry because there's, there's very few industries that have no impact whatsoever due to, to due to fuel prices. So it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. Um, you know, making predictions on, on crude oil prices, that's not really my game. And making predictions on exchange rates is not really my game. I would say at, at some point, what will happen is that these crude oil prices will get to a stage where, because it's all about, in that industry, the cost of getting stuff out of the ground. So say the oil price is at $70 a barrel and, and your cost is $50 a barrel to get it out of the ground, for example, and over the last few years you haven't been tapping into production on the $50 a barrel stuff because it hasn't been worth it for margins. Now all of a sudden it might be worth it to, to get that oil out of the ground. So what happens is as the oil price increases, you'll see an increase in in, in production and increase in supply and and as as oil companies decide that they want to cash in on the higher oil prices and that increase in supply will mean that prices will come down i'm not sure where that tipping point will be um but it, it it's just the it's just how 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 things work and it will happen at some point so you know and, and prices can stay high for an awful long time i also think that there's the big IPO in the United, well, not in the United States, sorry, in Saudi Arabia, um, Saudi Aramco, which is their, currently their, I guess their country's big oil company. And that once that happens, that's going to be the largest IPO in the world in terms of, and, and it'll be the largest listed company in the world, way bigger than Apple by a long, long way. And and this is me, I, I've got no way of proving this, of course, but I suspect that Saudi Aramco, uh, Saudi Arabia, sorry, want oil prices high for this IPO, and we all know the influence that Saudi Arabia has on oil prices. And the higher the oil price, the I guess the more valuable this IPO could be. So I don't know. I'm I'm just suspecting things here, but it'll be really, really interesting to see how that one plays out. But yeah, interesting stuff from Z Energy. Um, I'd recommend having a read of the interim report. There's all sorts of they they do a good job with the interim report. Actually, there's all sorts of data and and stuff in there about petrol prices and crude prices and everything like that. So it's certainly worth a read. Right, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks very much for listening. Before I get on to the book review, I'd just like to have a, a shout out to October. Um, we're, we're, we're through October now and October 2018, I think, and I might be, have the data incorrect here, but I think October was the was the worst, worst month in the stock market since 2011. Um, and October historically is, is quite a famous month in the stock market because obviously the, the 1987 stock market crash happened in October 1987. Um, so it is... A, a well-known <laughs> month in the stock market. So the book that I wanted to have a chat about, and you can find this on stockmarketmovers.co.nz forward slash books, and you can buy it through there as well if you click on it, is The Essays of Warren Buffett. Now, it says it's 
by Lawrence A. Cunningham and you know he what what Lawrence has done and I say Lawrence like I know him which I don't um Lawrence has gone through all of Warren Buffett's letters to shareholders letters to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders which I really recommend that you read when they come out in February each year or whenever it is um and he, what he's done is he's gone and ordered it by topic and I would say in terms of getting an understanding of how to look at companies from a fundamental perspective it's there's there's no better way of doing it so he's ordered it by topic from share dilution to you know value investing all 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 sorts of things and it is you know there's there's no better place in my view i've probably read that book maybe three or four times over the course of the last 10 years and it, it it's it's it gets better every time and as you grow i'd say for beginners there's lots of things in there that that might fly over your head like terminology and everything like that but I would say plow through it anyway because you will pick up something and as you're a beginner now but you might not be in two years time so plow through it now read it and then reread it again in two years time because it'll be worth it because you'll pick up new things when you read it and then reread reread it again two or three years after that is is what I'd say about that book it's sort of in terms of investing it is it's not like it's a fad or something that will go out of fashion what what's in that book is absolutely timeless um so yeah jump if if buy it through the website or get it on your Kindle or wherever you consume your books but it's it's definitely one that's that's worth reading and I would say just before we sign off is that remember that the volatility in the markets over the last month or so the actual underlying intrinsic value of your companies hasn't changed so when this when the stock market was racing up before that the underlying value of your companies hadn't changed and as the stock market's crashing your underlying value hasn't changed so just because the the price of the stocks changed it doesn't mean it's it's reason to panic but it maybe it is worth looking into and seeing if something fundamentally has changed right good luck and and happy investing out there and we'll see you next week